0: going on everybody went with a long intro today i guess uh, trying to get everything set up here have a couple of things that i'm still waiting on to load up that way i can get them out to you guys hope everybody is doing good today glad to be with you glad to have you guys here listening or watching if you're watching on youtube remember you guys if you are watching on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button hit the like button and like the video i would really appreciate it share it if you want to as well that would be awesome Uh, on twitter At DogTalk20, as always, boom, you can see it up there in the corner if you're watching on Twitter. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you go and rate and review us. Give us that five stars. Would really appreciate that. Uh, And then last but not least, you guys go to the website. Check it out as well, DogTalkPod.com. Spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G, TalkPod.com. I know I need to put a few more things on there to get that uh, up to date, but Nonetheless, uh, again, as I said right off the top, I really appreciate you guys checking us out and being here with us today. We've got a lot to get to. We've got Georgia Georgia Auburn coming up at 3.30 on CBS Saturday. Um, Really looking forward to that. Excited for it. Should be a pretty good game. They also thought the Arkansas game would be a pretty good game, but we're going to hold off on that. We're not going to look at it necessarily in that same way. We're not gonna eat the rat poison that's out there that uh, that could be. So we'll try to ho- hold off on that as much as we can. News is basically just going around some of the injury front that has come up here recently and some of that that Kirby, ho- Kirby Smart, excuse me, has talked a little bit about. Uh, and then we're gonna get into the game. Just previewing that game, getting things geared up for the Auburn game. Run around some of the cu- games around the country uh sec and just other big games just around the country in general we got picks we got twitter content we got predictions we got a lot to get to i'm getting this last little bit pulled up here uh, on my screen what i will do for you guys again watching on youtube you guys if you're listening on podcasts apple podcasts iHeartRadio, spotify wherever you listen plenty of places to listen please go over and check the youtube uh I mean, it's it's not huge or anything, but I do do some video content. So if you guys are into that, you can go and check it out. I would really appreciate it. Again, just subscribe to the channel there. Try to grow it and and continue just growing it. (laughs) I guess is the best way to put it there. Uh, Again, I will put the top 25 on the screen real quick for you guys. Scrolling across the bottom, that way you can see it. I will also get our updated schedule that I did finally get figured out and put the correct information in there. Boom. There you go. YouTube, you got it up and rocking and rolling there. Um, one thing that I wanted to clear up from the last show that I said that I was going to clear up, I wanted to make sure I did that. I kept saying that it was Devontae Wyatt who was the guy who blocked like three guys that came in off the defensive side of the ball and blocked three guys. But I was wrong. It was actually Jalen Carter. And I told you guys I would either come on YouTube or I would come or YouTube. I would come on the podcast next episode, which is now or on Twitter, which I put it up on Twitter that I was wrong, but I also wanted to emphasize that I was also incorrect uh, on here, and make sure that I fixed that. So, all right, good deal. Got that stuff taken care of. Again, that was Jalen Carter coming in on the defensive side of the ball, blocking three guys. Wanted to make sure I gave credit to the correct guy there, because, I mean, it was just awesome. Awesome to see, awesome to have. This game, 330, CBS, looking forward to it. The news all surrounds injury. More than likely in this game, we are not going to see JT Daniels. I'll get into how I feel about that in just a minute. Let me talk a little bit about f- a few of these other guys that I want to talk about before we dive too deep into the JT Daniels situation. And that kind of goes just like this. All right, back to these other guys, sorry. Kind of got my brain all over the place. few of the guys that could possibly be back in this one, but more than likely won't, but some of the guys that Kirby Smart did speak about. That's Marcus Rosemary, Jack jackson He's possible. He's the closest of these injuries we're going to talk about to being back and possibly, possibly playing this weekend against Auburn. Marcus Roseman, Jack Saint, like we talked about, you know, he's got that opposite ankle of the injury, the injured ankle from the week before or the year before against Florida. Man, shot out of a cannon here. I'll start to get everything correct. Arian Smith with that shin contusion, he's still not quite ready, so I'm putting him more on that doubtful side of things uh, rather than that possible side of things. Dominic Blaylock with the hamstring. He still, I believe, is going to be doubtful coming into this game again. Between those guys there, as well as JT Daniels with that lat sprain, Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint is the closest to getting back, the closest of all of those to getting back. You did get Darnell Washington back last week. He played a key role in getting that run game moving and a lot of his blocking schemes. Tyke Smith, we didn't see him. Didn't see him at all last week. I expect to probably see him come into this game and be able to make an impact on that defensive side of the ball. So he was another one technically in that injury list. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the couple of guys, I'm going to just mention it every week. We know Tate, Tate Rattledge, he's out for the rest of the season. George Pickens, ACL. We talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. He's been moving. I heard that this week he's still doing that. He's starting to make some cuts. You know, fingers crossed again. We don't we want him to come back in a healthy and a safe way. First and foremost, regardless, do we need him? Yes, it would great. It would be great to have him, for sure, because we are thin on this. You look at all these guys we've got out. The guys that I just mentioned a second ago, three of those guys are wide receivers, one of which in Darnell Washington who we just got back is a tight end, also a receiver. So, having all of those guys out and being successful as we have been so far, it's pretty unreal. Could you imagine none of these guys being injured as well as Tate Ratledge as well as Tyke Smith having all these guys and a healthy JT Daniels right now? There's no telling what everybody would be looking at Georgia thinking. But considering we have been as successful as we have with all of these injuries and we have been able to make things happen, we should be really proud. We should be really excited for what the future holds when Georgia does get healthy. And Georgia will get healthy. And when that happens – all I can say is watch out. I know I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are looking forward to it too. Uh, and we're, we're getting there, slowly but surely. Again, going back to George Pickens, we, want, you know, we all hope for the speedy recovery. But at the end of the day, safest, most effective way that he can come back healthy is what we want. We don't want a guy rushing back, not 100% healthy, come back in and hurt himself more or, again, in the same way. We want him to be as healthy as he can when he does come back you know right now the way that he's on track i know he's been pushing for that florida game it's possible i don't want to put too much out there because you just don't want to get your hopes up you know you start thinking oh we're we're getting george pickens back by the florida game i don't want to say that because that's not a guarantee it's not guaranteed that that's going to happen so let's just keep our fingers crossed and again just continue prayers up to all of these guys because a lot of injuries going around now let's talk a little bit more in depth about jt daniels we talked about this last week in that Stetson having a start for us was because JT had that oblique strain, and in having that strain, it's more of a pain tolerance, and the more painful that it is, obviously the worse that it, the worse that it can get. Well, in trying to rehab that, you know, you strained your lat, which I believe is on the other side, if I remember correctly. And that's similar. It, it's a painful when you go to throw the ball. That's when it's the most painful. So, obviously, being a quarterback makes it extremely difficult because you got to throw the ball all the time. The latest that I've seen is the best thing to do in this situation is rest. And it's hard to rest when you're a starting quarterback. But this is what it's going to take. He He does – Kirby was talking about this today in his press conference. He is able to go in certain drills where he can do little soft tosses here and there. He did not participate in anything Monday. Uh, I think he picked up a little bit Tuesday and a little bit today, um, which being Wednesday, again, you guys will hear this on Thursday. But So he is starting to make strides in that direction to get better, but at the same time, you cannot push it too much. I do not expect to see JT Daniels in this game Saturday against Auburn unless, for whatever reason, we are in a bad situation, and it would take JT coming in and having to play the savior and play through that pain, and God forbid anything worse happen. Would that happen? I don't know. I don't know if Kirby would have the guts to be able to take a guy who is hurt and put him in and, and allow him to play injured just for looking at the future of the of the season. we got a lot more games to go. I do not expect JT to be sat back at the house either. You know, you can't travel but so many to the away games. I don't expect JT to miss that trip again solely because in my belief, now this is my belief, this is not any kind of information that's out there, but you take JT Daniels just in case you need him because right now it is a lot about pain tolerance. A lot of it's obviously what's going on with your body too, and you're supposed to listen to that. You've got to listen to that to continue to get healthy. But in my opinion, JT Daniels should not play in this Auburn game and more than likely won't. I will be surprised if we see him play against Kentucky. Might see him a little bit, but if it's me right now, I'm saying, all right, we've got four weeks right now you got two to three weeks that you need to rest, and you've already technically rested a week and a half. So maybe he starts to pick the ball up for that Kentucky game next week, luckily being at home. And, again, the only reason I think we see him in this Auburn game is if we get in a situation where we have to have him. We have to have the ball move through the air, if for whatever reason we're not doing that. Because if you go back to the Arkansas game last week, Arkansas's defense played that way. They played okay. They – haven't been able to run the ball. Let's make them throw on us. And we ran the ball all over them and then didn't have to pass the ball. Barely passed the ball in the entire game. Auburn's defense has a extremely, extremely strong rush defense right behind George's. So we're not going to be able to be one-dimensional and run the ball the entire time. Now, Stetson has proved that if you load the box on us, he can get that ball out wide. You do have – Jermaine Burton there. You do have A.D. Mitchell. Darnell Washington will be in there. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit as far as what I'm kind of feeling on him once we start to break down the game. Um, So you do have some weapons that he can throw to. But again, we just cannot become one-dimensional. And I've talked about this in the weeks past, but this week I feel like more than any is a week that we really have to be careful of that. Um, And again, that just goes back to Auburn's defense is very good and Stetson needs to be careful about not trying to throw it in pockets that he force forcing balls. You can't do it. You cannot force balls in situations that's when we get intercepted. It's happened a couple times already this year. Should have happened last week against Arkansas. We got very lucky that they dropped the ball in that pass and you all know what I'm talking about if you watch the game. So just just has to be smart, mindful, and pay attention and read, you know, just read as reads. That's all there is to it um i I have plenty of confidence that he can do it but it's still one of those you just you're just kind of always always on the fence about it because it's not your normal starter but again I, i expect to see stetson come in this i believe in him think he can be successful we all have our questions about it and really oddly enough you know the weeks past my questions have been okay number one can that offensive line block number two With that offensive line blocking, can our running backs get the game going? Number three being, what does our secondary on defense look? In that order, pretty much. And after last week, the way that we were able to dominate Arkansas on both sides of the ball, the offensive line did their job. They blocked. We ran the ball very effectively with our running backs. The secondary, we didn't really get tested, but maybe a couple of times, and the secondary did a very good job. The secondary also did a good job when they were dropped back in pass to be able to stop. Some very big plays. There was one one chunk play that Arkansas had against us. That was it, one chunk play. Outside of the run that K.J. Jefferson had, that was also brought back a little bit less. But that's not a pass. That's all on the run game. Um, so those were my three questions. I feel a lot better about all three of those. Um, and a lot of that is because Bo Nix has been so inconsistent. Uh, but let's jump into the game and we'll talk a little bit about that. getting right into it here this is what i want my my kind of key points of the game that i marked down here georgia's run game is going to go up against a very strong rush defense offensive line has to play just like we did last week we have to be able to block well and run the ball when we need to and in times run the ball to open up the pass game because we're going against a defense who is very very strong against the run and have been now a lot of people are going to say, okay, hey, so was Arkansas, but you saw what we did to them. And that very well may happen again. It's it's a very, very strong possibility. And do I hope it? Absolutely. But we also have to be prepared for that possibility that we're not able to run the ball as effectively as we were last week. Then we have to be able to rely on the starter, who more than likely, again, is going to be Stetson. Do I think that he is capable of it? I talked about this a minute ago. Absolutely. Uh, we do have to be able to pass the ball, even in situations where we're able to run the ball pretty effectively. If you're running the ball for five yards a carry, you're doing good, especially because on the other side of the ball, we have so much faith, trust, and hope in our defense that we can probably come into a game like this and run the ball down their throat as much as possible, even if we're only rushing for 200 yards in the game and put up three touchdowns. You can win the game 21 to nothing with as good as that defense is, 21-3. to three. 21-6, to six. you can still win the game just like that. It's a lot hard, more hard-nosed. It's not as pretty as a lot of people want it to be, especially because of how everybody's looking at Georgia's play in comparison to other teams in the country. At this point right now, there are two teams in the country who are above and beyond the rest of the country, and that is Alabama and that is Georgia, ranked number one, ranked number two. We do not have to be ranked first right now. We do not. I'm not going to make the comparison to Alabama. And I don't want to because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of having to compare to Alabama. Right now, that's the only thing there is to compare to because of how successful they have been over the last decade. So it's, un- it's unfortunate, but I'm hoping, and I tweeted this earlier, I'm really hoping and looking forward to the possibility that that narrative is changing. And I hope that it starts with 2021 Georgia because right now we're on a very good track for that to be possible. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Getting back to the game here. Is Darnell Washington going to be a big threat in this game? I hope he is. I really do. And I think that he will be in multiple facets. Number one, just like he was last week, his blocking ability for the run game, also for the pass game, is second to none when it comes to tight ends in the SEC alone. He is such a big and dominant guy on the outside having there to block for you. Again, whether it's running I still attribute a lot of his work to the reason that we were able to run the ball as effectively as we were last week, and I think that that can continue this week. But I also think this. I think that Darnell's going to start to get a couple of passes come this game too. I think there's going to be situations where we may gear up, uh, you know, play action, and he blocks for a minute, and he's able to get out and get into a little bit of space, and he is a big enough dude that he will run a safety over. And I'm excited and glad to look for that. I think he's going to be a big deal. I think we see a little bit more 12 personnel. I think we saw a little bit of that against Arkansas, and that, I think, can mix up some things for Auburn because even if they're bringing pressure, Stetson is, that is one good thing about Stetson, and we've seen it in the past couple of weeks when he's had to come in. When he's pressured in the pocket, there are times where he does sit in there and throw it. It's a lot less than usual and a lot less than you would like for most starting quarterbacks, but... He is able to be mobile and use those legs to scramble out of the pocket. Occasionally, he's able to run forward and get those yardage, and occasionally, he's able to run out and make a play happen. He has done it. We've seen it in the past. And, you know, him and Brock Bowers, I think, if they can connect on stuff like that, even at Darnell Washington in this situation, if they can connect in situations where Auburn is rushing those guys and putting the blitz packages in, if he can get loose and make something happen. We're going to be okay because Bo Nix is going to do the same thing on the other side of the ball, and that's where we jump to do, to the defense. I said this last week because K.J. Jefferson was one as well for Arkansas who was able to get loose, especially if you watch that Texas A&M game. Now he gets a little beat up in that game, and to me he that his, his ability to scramble pretty much went to the wayside against Georgia, two reasons. One, he did have a – I will say this. He had one play, again, that was a chunk play on the ground, where he was able to just run right through us for a lot of yards. But I think he was a little beat up in this, and, and two reasons here. One being because Georgia was able to get to him so fast, he didn't have time to react and get out of the pocket. He was already caught and wrapped up by Devontae White, by Nicobe Dean, by guys getting in there as quickly and as fast and as hard as they did. That savage defense busting through the line, um, that was one. Two was also... In times that he did have time in the pocket and was able to move, it didn't matter. Again, hawking him down and guys coming to the ball and the defense on the backside that was covering guys as well as they were. That was another reason that his elusiveness for K.J. Jefferson became obsolete. He was, I mean, that front four of Georgia is unbelievably stout. Looking at the top-graded defenses in the country right now, number one, Georgia at a 94.6. Auburn coming right behind that at 91.8, followed by number three, Iowa, at 91.4. So you have two of the top defenses going up against each other. Georgia's key to being successful on defense in this one is that you've got to stop that elusiveness of Bo If you can crash the pocket as quickly as you can, he's still going to get loose. But we've already seen this. I saw a stat earlier, I think, that Jordan Davis is like, was clocked at like nineteen point six miles an hour. Can you imagine a three hundred pound guy coming at you like that? Three hundred plus pound guy coming at you like that, rolling down here almost twenty miles an hour, just ready to roll you over. I couldn't. I love that little picture of look like Missouri's guy, just real tiny, you know, kind of running from, uh, running from Jordan. But anyways, it was it was funny seeing that. That's one key. The second key is the secondary. Like I've been a little bit questionable about. I feel a lot more confident in, and I'm glad, and I look forward to the challenge that they're going to get because there are some speedy wide receivers there for uh, Auburn, and even though Bo Nix is inconsistent, he can connect on some of those deep passes, so we can't get beat. We cannot get lazy is basically what I wrote down here. Can't get lazy. we got to stay awake for this game. It is at 3.30. It's not a lunchtime kick. It's not a late one. Right in the middle of the day, prime time as far as when you should be wide awake and prepared and ready for a game. It is in Jordan here. That's going to make a little bit of a difference, but that secondary cannot get lazy. You can't become complacent in knowing, okay, our front line, You know, we're just busting through. We, we don't even really have to do anything back here because it's when you get in that kind of a mindset that all of a sudden Bo Nix is able to get out of the pocket for a second and, and gain a couple of seconds, and that's all it takes for whoever you're guarding to gain five yards on you. And if he connects with them, you're burnt. That's all there is to it. So we cannot get lazy in the secondary, especially when plays start to drag out a little bit longer because you do have that elusive quarterback. I'm not saying that Bo Nix is better than K.J. Jefferson because I think with K.J. Jefferson's arm and before the Texas A&M injury, really where he kind of got beat up there a little bit, his elusiveness was... Extremely good, especially in the SEC, because he could throw the ball deep, he could beat you on the pass, but he could also scramble enough to get a lot of yardage. The difference in him and Bo Nix is Bo Nix, to me, is just a little bit more swift. You know, that's that's going to be my term of it. Term of it, because whereas a KJ Jefferson, he's a big dude, he can run you over. Bo Nix, he's not really that run you over kind of a kind of a quarterback. He's just a little bit smaller, a little bit swifter. The best way to look at it where he can kind of slip out of little pockets uh, and get to the outside a little bit. So I think defensively, as long as we can kind of lock down that a little bit of elusiveness, we're going to be fine. Secondary, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep because it can happen when that front line is just able to get to that front seven. When they're able to get to the quarterback as much as they have been all season long, it can kind of cause that little bit of lackadaisical where you're just kind of sitting back going, man, they'll handle it. We're good. We don't really have to do anything. So, just can't get lazy on the back end. We'll be fine. And, again, same things that it is every week, like I was talking about earlier on the offense. You're going against a strong rush defense. We still have to be able to run the ball. We have to enforce, just like Kirby has said, we have to enforce our will on them and be extremely physical against them. When we want to run the ball, we need to be able to run the ball. When we want to throw the ball, it's all dependent on those wideouts being able to get loose and find holes. And Stetson, again, I say Stetson because more than likely that's what it's going to be. I would be very shocked if we come into this game and JT Daniels is the starter. Very shocked. Extremely. Um, and, I, I, again, like I said off the start, I think if we're going to get JT back in a healthy position and to be able to make it where we want to make it this season, which in the end of the year is make it to the SEC championship game, win the SEC, play in the college football playoff, play for a national championship, and win the national championship. That is, that is our goals. It starts right here in week six against Auburn. That's where it starts. It's already started in week one. we moved past that. Week two, we've moved past it all the way through week five now. We're now in week six. We have to look at Auburn now. As a team, you have to. I get to look forward and say, okay, this is what our goals are. And it's the same for them. But right now it is, all right, let's take care of Auburn. Let's do that in the best way possible while knowing that in the future we also have to be able to uh, look out for what's ahead because this week I think you can get by against Auburn with a Stetson. I think you can get by against a Kentucky and probably even a Florida. You know, people forget that Stetson Bennett was still the quarterback against Florida last year and had a lead against Florida before everybody and their mama got hurt. Marcus, Marcus Rosemey goes down. Stetson goes down. All of a sudden, injuries plague us even deeper, and we find ourselves in a hole. Stetson can do it, and I think he will, um, but I know so much of us, and, my, and myself included, have become very reliant on the fact that we know that JT Daniels is QB1, and when he's healthy, there's a reason that Kirby Smart puts JT Daniels in, and it's because he is QB1, and he is more effective, he he's not as mobile as Stetson. I'll give that that's that's where credit is, but he is very smart with his reads. He is very smart in play calling. He is very smart in knowing what is going on in the field, and that is one good thing that Kirby even praised JT about in these injuries where he's having, where he's only able to go out and do little toss drills. He's still so effective at his other skills and the skill sets that he has as far as being in a. Uh, uh, being in the film room and watching film and and studying the playbook and going over everything he has to and checking reads and doing all this. He's so good at that and being able to beat people with passes in, in tight gaps and also beating people deep, having that arm, that it outweighs that little bit of elusiveness. In times, would you want that? Yes, but at the end of the day, if you want a quarterback who's going to get in there and give you the best opportunity to win, right now it's Stetson Bennett because JT's hurt. But when JT is healthy, it's JT Daniels, and it's his job to lose, and he's not going to lose this job unless he continues to be unhealthy. And it's not really to lose this job at this point. We've, we've seen that. It's just Stetson's coming in, filling in the spot, and he's done a very good job, and I expect him to continue to do that job, especially here at 330 on CBS against Auburn excited about it looking forward to it i think it's going to be a good game we're going to talk a little bit more about it as we kind of roll through some of these other games around the country because i do want to get to some of these there are some big ones that's pretty much going to wrap up again the preview of auburn but i'll still talk in and out about them through some of this other stuff let's look at some of the games around the country because like i was saying earlier there are some big ones nothing really Friday outside of maybe that Stanford Arizona game because our Arizona state because you can't sleep on Stanford Stanford's look really good they also just took the number three team in the country in uh, Oregon down last week but then on Saturday you get to kick it off there at 12 o'clock uh, in the Cotton Bowl with the red, in that do they call it the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas I think that's right I could be completely wrong about that but who cares anyway number six Oklahoma. Taking on number 21, Texas. Oklahoma has a a three-and-a-half point favorite. That one should be a pretty good one. Maryland and Ohio State. I went with Maryland last week against Iowa just because Tulia Tagovailoa, he looked really good. And had he not thrown five five interceptions in the first half, that game may have turned out a little bit different. They were 4-0. They are 4-1 coming into this one. Uh, Number seven, Ohio State. Both of them are 4-1. Ohio State a 21-point favorite. Um, more than likely Ohio State will roll, but I'm telling you, don't sleep on Maryland. I mean, this guy's got like the most uh, passing yards in the country and had it before this week where he didn't do much last week. Then at 12 o'clock you do get Arkansas, number 13, Arkansas traveling to number 17, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a six-point favorite. Man, that's a good-looking game. And that's one I've kind of thought and gone back and forth on because Arkansas is really good. Their defense is very good. Ole Miss, their offense is extremely good, even though their defense isn't that good. But we saw what what Georgia was able to hold Arkansas to offensively last week, and we saw what Georgia's offense was able to do to Arkansas's defense. But you also saw the same deal with Ole Miss, what Alabama was able to do. You got two teams that are both coming off of losses that are going to be extremely, extremely, just in my terms of the way that I would put it, pissed off and not happy to lose to the top two teams in the country, Now they get to face off against each other and take that anger out on each other. So that should be a really good game. That's at 12 o'clock on ESPN. We'll keep an eye on that one because, again, it's just going to be a good one. Um, I'll get to the picks coming up here in just a little bit. Vandy traveling to Florida. Shouldn't be much. Georgia-Auburn. Uh, you got White, Wake Forest and Syracuse. That one may be a good one at 3.30 on ESPN 2 Then probably if I was guessing game day, I hadn't even looked to see where game day is. Uh, This this week, but at four o'clock on Fox, you got number four Penn State traveling to Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium to take on number three Iowa. So you get two top five teams right there, and three and four. It's like a college football playoff game, except for four would play one. You you know what I mean? But four and three playing off both five and zero, both two and zero in the in the uh, Big Ten. One team will remain in the top four. After this, and one team will fall. We will learn who is truly the number three team in the country. Penn State wins this one; they move to three. Iowa wins this one; they stay at three. I don't think Iowa, even if even if Iowa came into this and beat Penn State fifty-four to nothing, I don't think Iowa jumps up above a Georgia or an Alabama. They may be a, they're a good team, and they may put up a lot of points against Penn State. But let's also look at what Auburn was able to stick around with Penn State. Now take that for what you will. Iowa one and a half point favorite. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a finger on this game as far as a bet line or anything like that goes. Over under on this was 41. Expect that one to be low scoring. Again, I don't know. I don't know much about either of them. And there's still so many questions about a lot of teams in the country this year. Who's good? Who's not? Do we have? You know, outside of Alabama and Georgia who's three and four who is truly three and four because you're going to get a test right here in three and four and if this is a game that comes down to the wire that's like 16 to 13 at the end low score and a fair you know you look okay well maybe these two teams are three and four interchangeable you know maybe we don't really move or or, or hurt one but then you have to start looking at the the grand scheme of things okay what has happened so far and you can't base everything off of what has happened because look at clemson clemson came out in a dogfight with Georgia that ends 10-3, to and then pff, they're not even in the top 25 anymore. Their offense has just – it's been non-existent, with the exception to the week two game that they played and scored like 42 points. They hadn't scored, I don't think, 42 points in the last four weeks after that. I could be wrong. I don't have that stat right in front of me to look at, but that's just something to think about as well. So all of that to wrap up to say number four Penn State traveling to number three Iowa. Then you got Michigan and Nebraska. Nothing to sleep on there. Nebraska's always been a good, or they've been a good team this year, and have upset a couple of teams. Michigan only a three and a half point favorite in this one. Why is my thing not wanting to scroll like it's supposed to? Anyway, number fourteen, Notre Dame traveling to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. That at seven thirty on ACC Network. Notre Dame only a one point favorite headed there. You saw North Carolina fell to them at Virginia Tech, so something to keep an eye on there. Big one in the SEC here as well. 7.30 on SEC Network. you got LSU traveling to undefeated 16th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. That one in Lexington, Kentucky, a three-and-a-half point favorite. alabama texas AM. We talked a little bit about this last week. Thought that this was going to be a game that would be much more exciting. Could possibly determine the SEC West preseason. It's not looking like that anymore. Texas A&M really has fallen to the wayside. Went from, I think, ranked like, Sixth or seventh starting the season unranked now at three and two. 0 oh, and two in the SEC uh in Alabama, a seventeen and a half point favorite coming into this one. Alright, those are the big games that I was looking at around the weekend. Yeah, I want to make sure I didn't have any other. One of the stat that I wanted to read off that I saw earlier on Twitter. Should have gave credit to the guy who I saw it from, but can't remember who it was now. Uh, but this was the stat. Arkansas's offense ranked fifty fifth nationally. Right now, they rank 55th nationally. But if you take the Georgia game away from a week ago, that offense was ranked 17th in the country. That is just ahead of Auburn, which I believe is 19th, maybe 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there. But it ranks just ahead of Auburn. So Arkansas's offense was not bad coming into this one. And Georgia's defense is just that good, that elite. That is one thing. You know, we questioned a few things starting the season. How is this defense going to be? Is this defense truly good after the way that they played against Clemson? Is it not? We weren't real sure. Some things kind of spit and sputter. We kind of question a lot of things. But what we have learned since then is that we should stop questioning the defense. We really should. And we're going to get to the picks coming up here in just a minute. And – Every week when I've done picks, I've given the other team a few points. And a lot of that is because, like we talked about last week, Georgia having back-to-back shutout games, it's the first time in conference play that that's happened since 1980. I think I said first time that's happened since 1980. I think it's the first time since like 2012 maybe, 2002, something like that. One of those numbers is right, that Georgia – has won back-to-back consecutive games. But it's the first time in conference play that Georgia has blanked an SEC team back-to-back weeks since 1980, that national championship season. But the reason that I give every team we play a few points in my prediction is because I look back at a couple of things. We did, you know, last week, we could have given up three points in that game against Arkansas. We didn't. There was one play late in the fourth quarter. It may have been the third quarter. Uh, that Malik Hornsby comes in, has a long pass that two more steps and Arkansas beat us deep, and that could have been a touchdown there. It could have been a ten points for him I look back to that South Carolina game where we gave up a touchdown in that one. You know, So once you start to give up a few points, I do look at the team in Auburn, and the way that I look at this is I think Auburn is going to come into the – I think Georgia is going to do exactly to Auburn what we did against Arkansas. I think they're going to go into Jordan Hare, smack them in the mouth real quick, Again, before they even realize we're there and start to go, wait a minute now, wait a minute. And I think we're going to get later into the game, have a good lead on them. I still think they get a field goal because the only reason Arkansas didn't is because the kicker mixed, missed it wide right. He had all the leg in the world to it, but Carlson, Auburn's kicker, much better kicker. So I think they easily get a field goal. But I also think, and I could see maybe a couple, we'll see, see how the field position goes. But I also think later in the game, Bo Nix is able to scramble and just have a crazy fluke play like he's done in the past and somehow score on us. It's not a shot at our defense because I think our defense is going to contain him enough, but we saw what it did against LSU, which is not a good team, and I'm not trying to give a bunch of credit that way, but things happen when you scramble around like that. Unexpected things, really. So it's it's you know kind of a question here and there. All right, let's get into some of the Twitter content. There we go. All right, let's talk a little bit of Twitter. Some of the Twitter content, because I did ask for questions. I got a question that did hit, and a couple of things that I put up. A few polls. I forgot yet again to get my my poll timing down correctly, because in the past, I've only put those polls up for a day, and I'm supposed to put them up longer. And I did the same thing again today. Imagine that, right? Let's get to the first question that I had come up, because I did want to answer that one first before we jump too deep into some of the other stuff. First question, coming from Vidal is best girl, Vidal fan 05, uh, in in quotations here, I guess it says Moose, so maybe nicknames Moose. Anyway, uh, what will be the deciding factor, what will the deciding factor be for Georgia versus Auburn? Deciding factor to me in this one is, it's not really going to be defensively. As far as, all right, let me do it this way. Defensively, it's containing Bo Nix from being able to be elusive and run away from you and get away and make something crazy happen. That's what is going to be the deciding factor defensively. Offensively, it's all going to depend on can we throw the ball? How effective is Stetson in this game? If we're not effective on the in, in the air, we have to be effective on the ground. So I think if we can run in this game for 250 yards and we can also throw for 200 yards in this game, I think we win pretty convincingly pretty easily now look back at last week and we run the ball 273 yards and only throw the ball for like 72 So you don't necessarily have to do those things, but I do think that kind of helps uh, a little bit there At least being able to do that. Thanks for reaching out though Uh, but that's that's again offensively and defensively that to me is the uh, Deciding factors into this. All right, let's jump into a couple of the polls that I did put up this week Before we jump into the predictions QB passing yards over and under here. And I'll give you the numbers here, and once we record again after the game, we will go back through a couple of these. Mailman. First two are going to be the mailman, whether it's over 200 or under 200, and then JT. If he was to play in this game, I wanted to keep it wide open. So if JT plays, all of these possibilities are in there. So if Stetson's in there, over 200 yards, got 27% under 200 yards, has 43%. If JT plays over 200 yards, gets 30% votes. Not a single vote for JT under 200 yards if he was to play. So a lot of confidence if he does play, but only 30% really voting in this one uh, if he plays at all. But overall, 43% for the mailman throwing under 200 yards. Like I just said, I think if we can throw the ball for 200 yards, we're doing very good. And if we can run the ball for 200 to 250 yards, again, I think we win this game pretty easily because that defense is not going to give up uh, nearly those kind of numbers. Now, dogs rushing attack versus Auburn. Do we rush for more than 250 yards or less than? 65% of the votes go for 250 more uh, and only 35% for the less. We're going to see. Excited to see it. I really hope we go for over 250. And who's going to be leading that charge? Is it Zamir? Is it James Cook or is it Kendall Milton? 56% of you guys are going with Zeus. 37% of you guys going with James Cook and 7% uh, with Kendall. Probably that way. I know the past couple of weeks I believe James Cook has actually been the one leading the charge on the ground. Even though last week Zeus was right behind him, but Zeus is the only one that got touchdowns. Oh, excuse me. Zeus had a couple, and then Kendall actually had one. James – I hadn't seen Cook score, but has he scored, what, one time I think this year? So – I don't know, we'll see. I guess some of that kind of depends on how you feel as, as far as that goes. Uh, so, All right, that's that's for the most part, the Twitter content. Other than, I think I put up one other thing. I'm going to look at this real quick. Yeah, I hate the comparison to Alabama. Oh, yeah, I was going to say this too. If you guys, and I put this up on Twitter, I try maybe I'll try to keep the link in the description or put the link in the description as well of the podcast. But if you guys ever want to send a voice message, I did put a link up there on Twitter. Uh, it's It's in the Twitter feed, though. It's not... On, on the normal page there uh, but you guys can also always go and hit that little message button and it'll actually allow you to send me a voice message and if you send me a voice message it can be played on the show uh so you guys if you feel like doing that you can oh i did like this this is something we were talking about earlier penn state with the night game that was a whiteout versus auburn that was only 106 decibels that's with 106,572 people and then georgia's noon game Versus Arkansas had 110 decibels, so that was four decibels louder at a noon game against Arkansas than it was at a night game against Auburn in the whiteout of Penn State, with Georgia's attendance only being 92 only, 92,746. So you're looking at about what is that? We're talking about seven. Call it just basically call it seven thousand more people in the stands at Penn State. And Georgia was louder than that at noon versus a night game. I'll tell you, if the game, if if that Arkansas-Georgia game had been at 7 o'clock on Saturday night, I'm pretty curious how loud that would have been. Because at lunchtime to have been that loud was crazy. A night game that, that was that big, I don't know. I don't know. It's a different kind of year. So, all right, let's see. Now let's jump over to the picks. So my pick on the week I should have put this up on here, the predictions, excuse me. I should have put this up on the screen, but you can check out Twitter again, at DogTalk20, if you guys want to check out the little graphic that I put up there. But I got this one, Georgia, 45-10. to 10. Again, I think this comes down to, I think Carlson has such a good leg, he's going to get one field goal. I could see him maybe get a couple, but I, I still see Bo Nix scrambling late in the game and having just a fluke crazy play that he chunks up and somehow they score. Uh, making that one forty-five 45-10, but I don't think the offense sputters. I think even though Arkansas's or even though Auburn's run defense is as good as it is, we've seen some of that. And a lot of people keep coming and they keep saying, y'all have not played a team like Auburn. I'd beg to differ. Arkansas, to me, their rush defense may not have been as good as yours, but their defense was still good. Their offense was more high-powered than Auburn's. We just talked about that. They were blanked, 37 to nothing. 37 to nothing. So don't come comment me with that. Georgia has played, and I'm, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit tired of that too. Oh, they hadn't played anybody. They hadn't played anybody. Oh, yeah, well, now you see what Clemson is. Well, Clemson wasn't that at the beginning of the season. Everybody thought they were going to beat the snot out of everybody. And the next week, they looked like they were going to do that, and then they've fallen apart since. Again, I I think Georgia broke Clemson, but that's just me. George may have turned around and broke a couple other teams in the process. Arkansas may not win another game. They may go play Ole Miss and get dimed. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of that. Oh, they had not played anybody. Yes, UAB was probably the best offense we've played all season, which is kind of sad to say outside of Arkansas that we just played this past week. But we still did very good defensively against them. Our defense is so elite, and teams are learning that. Unfortunately, they're having to wait until they play before they learn that. So it's, it's kind of like, hey, let me give you a memo. I'm going to hit you with a V8 upside the head and let, let you realize you're about to get wrecked in this game if you don't wake up and realize what's about to hit you. I'm looking forward to this. one. 3.30. I'm starting to get a little fired up about it. Uh, some of the other picks, I did want to see what some of you guys were predicting. And I did say that I was going to uh, last week, didn't see anybody get the correct score. If you get the score correct again this week, I will give you a shout-out on this one. I'm not going to shout anybody out right now. I'm just going to put up some scores that some people are putting kind of to be close to it. 28-13 uh, is one. 41-10. 34 nothing with another shutout. 35-3. I mean, got some good scores in here. Again, if we get anybody that comes in with the correct score, I'll give you a shout-out on Twitter as well as on the show here. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Let me get to the picks for this week because I did want to pull that up uh, really quickly before we – Get out of here. Here we go. This is what I'm looking at. Georgia, minus fifteen and a half coming into this one again. If I'm gonna put it up there at forty-five to ten, I've got to take that number with Georgia. Last week I was a little bit skeptical about it because I wasn't sure just how it would work out, and it worked out pretty good for us. Now, then I got my lock of the week is going to be Kentucky minus three and a half against LSU there at home in Lexington. This is prime opportunity for Kentucky to come in here and just completely pff, crap the bed, but I just don't think they're going to do it. Again, coming riding off. Coming off of a huge game and riding that high after taking Florida down last week for the first time in Lexington in a long time, I hope that they can continue to ride that tidal wave and take it to LSU, an LSU team who's not all that great. Max Johnson, he's, he showed, showed signs of life there at LSU, but Kentucky has been a very good team this year, and I hope they continue that because I also want them to be undefeated when Georgia plays them next week. I talked about this last week, and I believe – Uh, that Georgia, for the four weeks straight, technically five with the bye week, is going to be playing a ranked team. I said this preseason that I think Kentucky's actually going to be pretty good and could be fighting for Florida in that second spot in the SEC East. Lo and behold, they take Florida down and more than likely will finish in second in the SEC East. Let me not eat my words too soon because we do have to play them next week so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But lock of the week, give me Kentucky minus three and a half. Ole Miss, Arkansas, I don't know. This was one I kind of debated wasn't too sure about, wasn't 100% how I felt about it. If this was truly going to turn out the way that I was hoping, thinking, wishing it would, I don't. I just I don't know. But I feel like Ole Miss's offense with Matt Corral may come alive in this one, and I feel like they may take it to Arkansas. Even though Arkansas is at the house, I think Arkansas' defense could be pretty good. They did good as far as dropping back to try to take the pass away from Auburn. But if they start to run the ball there at Ole Miss with Ely, they may run all over them too and take that blueprint that Georgia gave them for the Arkansas game and just run the score up. I don't don't see them this being a huge blowout, but I do think Ole Miss covers that minus six, so give me that. Uh, Then you got Alabama and Texas A&M. Again, A&M just kind of has really fallen apart this year. I I expect a lot from them, but Haynes King going down really changed that for a lot of us, and I think we've known that and seen that. And Again, they're not going to get him back in time for this game and even if they did, I just don't think he would be the key uh, to taking down Alabama in this one. So give me Alabama minus 17 and a half. It's a lot of points, but again, without Haynes King, I don't, I don't see A&M scoring very much in this game at all. Uh, defensively, they have looked good. They didn't look all that good last week against Mississippi State. So I think Alabama's probably going to roll pretty big in this one. That is my picks of the week's picks of the week. Let me say it that way. Be a little better. All right, I think that's going to wrap us up here, guys. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Georgia, Auburn, 330, CBS. Make sure you guys tune in to that one. Really excited about it. Got a pretty good feeling about the dogs coming into this game. In the past, like go back to that national championship season, I talked a lot of smack before this game. I'll be honest with you, talked a lot of smack. Got a couple of buddies that are Auburn fans. Talked some smack to them. That was the year that Gus Malzahn hit us with, oh, we beat dog crap out of him, didn't we? And after that, I was like, all right, first of all, I'm not going to talk crap anymore. So it, you really don't see me doing that much, whether it's on Twitter or to anybody. So I kind of keep that very, very hush and, and just let the team do their own talking. Uh, but, because then, I mean, we proved ourselves in the SEC championship game after that when just absolutely dominating in the SEC championship game. And I kept saying after that game, I was like, yeah, y'all beat the snot out of us in the game in the regular season, but you didn't win when it mattered most in the SEC championship game. So I try not to talk too much smack in this one. So if, if you hear me not really – or don't hear me, I should say, talking trash, that's pretty much why. All right, coming into it here, again, 3.30, looking forward to it. Dogs taking on the Auburn Tigers. Uh, and looking to take them down. I got it 45-10. to 10. Again, I'll give you guys a shout out, whoever can pick that one correctly at Dog Talk20 on Twitter. Make sure you go check out the website as well, DogTalkPod.com. I will check in on you guys after the game this weekend, after the dogs take down the Tigers in Jordan Hare Stadium. Looking forward to it. I will check in with you guys later. Go Dogs.